Welcome to the Career Fluencer Podcast. This is Dr. Chitachi Egwu. I'm a media professor, filmmaker, media content producer, and a journalist currently based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Know your worth. Because if you don't know what you're worth, other people will prescribe a worth or put a worth on you. It's just kind of like not undervaluing yourself. The upbringing that I have. I'm African, I'm Nigerian, and there's, a, you know, Nigerians tend to be very proud. First of all, the plan was I was supposed to be doctor, lawyer, engineer. That's completely not me. <laughs> so my parents were like, you better find something else equally as, as prestigious. You, you Don't you know who you are? So there's this whole thing of don't you know who you are when it comes to that. And I think that's what I carried. So this is really interesting because I was in the master's program at Howard University in Washington, D.C., and I was getting ready to finish. And the whole time during the master's program, I always worked. I always tell people I've never had just one W-2. I've always worked. And so I was temping at a place in Washington, D.C., and this place happened to be a specifically a PR, a corporate PR firm. And I thought that I wanted to do PR for the music industry. So I said, oh, okay. And they knew, the temp place knew that I was a communication major, and they were like, okay, this is perfect. This is like, write what you're studying. This is a corporate PR firm. So I was there, and I happened to get into conversation. I was like do, doing, I was a receptionist and I was answering phones and such and happened to get into conversation with uh, one of the account executives. I was like, you know, I said, oh yeah, I'm getting ready to graduate on Sunday or whatever from Howard with my master's in communication. They said, wait, you're getting a master's? I said, oh yeah. They were like, oh my gosh, you could totally be an account executive here. I said, oh well, let me find out I have a job after I graduate. So they actually, the, the head, and I don't know, the CEO of the actual company interviewed me. I went into his office. It was kind of like a casual conversation. And I told him a little bit about my uh, experience. And he was like, wow, this is completely great. We would love to bring you on. Here's what's going to happen. So I really would love to bring you into Adrian's position because she's been here for a while. And so we wanted to move her up. Adrian was the administrative assistant and she only had a bachelor's. Now there's no harm in, in having just a bachelor's. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with being an administrative assistant. But I had just gone through all of this school to you know, go ahead and work in the industry to a capacity. I'm not saying I had to own the place, but work to a capacity of the education and experience I have. So I was like, oh, this is not going to work. And that's what showed me, you know what? I need to go ahead and stay in school. So what I ended up doing was applying to the PhD program at Howard. And that took me on a slightly different trajectory into the professoriate and being a professor. So rather than, you know, coming out and working in the industry like I had intended, I thought, oh, huh, I need to stay in school because clearly these people are not going to pay me what I, I'm worth and put me in positions that I'm worth. So let me just stay in school. And it kind of changed my whole thought process about the academy and about colleges and universities. So that's 
actually where it started from the master's program and then going on into the PhD program, but PhD was not initially my intention. Howard University just, I, I can't give more accolades to that institution. They really rear you to understand who you are, whose you are, and what your worth is. And so you don't accept any rubbish. You don't accept less than who you are. Now, I'm not trying to say that that other job was rubbish, but when you have a good sense of self, a good sense of your abilities, and you've been surrounded by people and institutions that say, you will accept no less than X, Y, Z, you have an obligation and a duty which is the same as obligation, but you have a duty to fulfill those things. I mean, I would never shame the people who have invested so much in me, in my education, and in cultivating my self-worth to then just accept anything. Because who knows what path I would have gone down if I had just gone, gone ahead and taken that. Plus, I know me. I know that I, I can work. I am a good worker if that makes any sense. I can definitely work. I can work in corporate, but is that the, the environment where I thrive? No, not necessarily. I am not a full-time anything, if that makes sense. I know I'm a creative. I know that I was put here to put creativity into everything I do, whether it's corporate, whether it's the, the academy, or just fully full-time working on um, creative endeavors. So I knew that because of everything, and I knew what I had to offer. <laughs> I'm like, do you know what you're getting when you get me? <laughs> so I think that's the attitude that you have to have, that you have to be your own cheerleader. You have to be, even if you have other cheerleaders, that you are your own best cheerleader, that you recognize your worth and that you don't accept less than what you're worth. That doesn't mean that what is being offered to you is worthless or useless. It just means that it doesn't fit within the scope of who you are. I knew I wanted to build this as my career when it was actually the second year in the PhD program. So the first year in the PhD program, I was just a, a student. I did not have an assistantship yet. So I was, you know, I was still you know, doing kind of the temp thing, but I had gotten a job um, with a contracting company to do the tours at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in Washington, D.C. Love doing all these uh, tours and such, uh, but we were, that company I was working for was losing the contract and it was going to another company. And we were all like, what? No, we're, we need to find other places to work or, or temp or whatever the case may be. And my advisor was, uh, we were talking cause we always talk and I was like, yeah, well, I don't have a job anymore because you know, <laughs> they, we lost the contract. So I got to find something else. And she was like, well, why would you find something else when you're at a university and you can have an assistantship? Let me talk to the director. So the director of graduate study at the time, um, was, uh, Dr. Cummings, Dr. Melbourne Cummings. And I went through the process of getting an assistantship. I had to interview, I had to teach a mock class and I had never taught 
like a class before, but I was excited about it. I was really, really young when I started my assistantship. So the oldest student in that class was probably maybe two years younger than me. So it was kind of in a way we were, it was professor student, but we were also peers. So I kind of was able, a peer, I was a peer who knew a little bit more than they did and was able to guide them. Cause I still had in my head kind of the PR thing, but I said, oh, I can actually do this. So that's what set me on the path towards a professoriate. And being a new professor that's a woman and a woman of color, there are expectations of people of color in society. And you are, uh, you've probably heard the thing, oh, well, you have to be, you know, 100 times <laughs> as good to get half as much, which, you know, I, that's not something that I like or subscribe to, but it is a reality. And so what happens in the professoriate, you know, young, especially junior professors that are women of color and especially black women, we feel sometimes that there is this pressure on us, feeling the pressure to produce, to publish, to research, to mentor students because of being a, a person of color. There's a, and some of it, some of it is not uh, uh, prescri prescribed by the institution. It's something that is self-inflicted sometimes because we have to show that we belong there. Sometimes with some people, there's an imposter syndrome. I never felt imposter syndrome. I knew I belonged there, but I need to show you I belong there, right? Like, how dare you think my research is less than? I'm going to show you. And so you do all these things and volunteer. You're on every committee and you do all those things. I don't do what I am not passionate about and what I don't want to do. So it's easy to keep going when you're doing things that you are very passionate passionate about that you absolutely love doing with people you love doing. So it doesn't feel like work. I was still doing this amount of research and stuff that somebody would be doing at a, a university that's a research institution, but I was at a teaching institution, which meant I had more teaching responsibility, but I was still doing the same amount of research. So I, you know, that got old pretty quickly. So I knew, and then another thing I had done is I'm a list maker. Some people do vision boards and think that's not me. I'm too lazy to sit there and cut things out of paper. So I'm not doing a vision board. So I make lists, of the things I want to accomplish and I check it off. So I was like, so what is the reasoning for me being here if there's nothing else that I really need to accomplish? Is that just me being comfortable because I, I have a job, they, they love me here and perhaps. So I'm like, you know what? I think it's time to move on. So I moved on to do all of this kind of stuff, the podcasting, the live streaming, the, uh, the social media uh, consulting, etc. the the shooting of video. So I still teach online. I still teach a couple of classes online, but I'm no longer that full-time academic that I thought I was going to make my initial career. So the, the other thing I would say is there is no harm in changing paths. If, if that's the uh, path that you want, you see another path that will work better for you, do that. So A, Take what you're doing now and use that as the vessel to get to where you're, you want to be. So what I was doing at the university was like, okay, but it was a vessel because I was making connections, talking to people like in the television and film industries. I was a fellow, a faculty fellow for the Television Academy Foundation, which are the people who do the Emmys. I was also a, a NATP, National Association of, for Television Program Executives. Uh, I was a faculty fellow for them and that they, we have these private sessions with heads of television studios and movie studios that other people don't get to have. So B 
being a professor is what allowed me to get access to all of that. And now I have a network of individuals that I can, you know, keep in case I need to do something or want to start something or want to write something. So use it as a vessel to something else. So obviously everyone does not have the opportunity to do what they like when they want to do it. You know, what they like, when they like, that's not the, everybody's reality, but that's okay. Whatever it is that you're doing now, number one, I, I would say, you know, use, use, a, use a spirit of gratitude. Be thankful that you have that because that, whether it's a job or whatever, is can be a vessel to something else. So don't look at it as as arduous or tedious, even if it is as something that you don't want to do, even if you don't. Of course, there are things we all don't want to do. But if you look at that as a, as a means to something else rather than a means to an end, that will be so helpful in terms of what you eventually you want to do. 